One night is tonight. 5.30 is the pre-party. Absolutely free food and fellowship. And 6.30, the service will start. All three Oklahoma City metro campuses are converging right here tonight. And then our Indianapolis location will be joining us online to enjoy the one-night service. It's a night you don't want to miss. If you love People's Church, If you want to see your church take ground, don't miss tonight. Have your face in the place. And I want to remind you, there's no deeper night this Wednesday. Normally, the first Wednesday of the month, we have a powerful service, but we're actually having it tonight. Deeper night is actually tonight at one night. So be sure uh, to be here tonight. And I do want to welcome all of our guests. If you are new to People's Church, just welcome, welcome, welcome. So glad you're here. Looking forward to meeting all of you, uh, my wife and I, at guest reception following the service. Want to give you a free copy of my book and looking forward to uh, meeting all the guests. Had a great time meeting all the guests the the last service and look forward to meeting all of you that are new today or if if you've been coming the last four or five or six weeks and would love to meet you at guest reception today. Well, we're in a series we're called calling Taking Ground and kind of the, the key verse for the series is found in Joshua chapter number one and verse number six. I shared this verse last week and going going to uh, share it again today. It says, be strong and courageous because you will leave these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Last week, we, we talked about how God has a personal promised land and a corporate promised land. All throughout the scripture, when you read the Bible, God always has a personal promised land and he also has a corporate promised land. So, so God has a promised land for your life. He has a promised land for your marriage, for your singleness, for your dating, for your future marriage, for your children, for your grandchildren, for your finances, for your career. God has a personal promised land for your faith. God has wonderful things in store for your life. And God also has a promised land for our church. And I told you last week that as a church, we are taking ground. And I made some exciting announcements last week. I I said last week that we are making preparations to start a sixth People's Church location in 2020. And I'm excited about this new location and how God's going to use it to change lives. And we're not going to stop at six. God has so much more ground for us to take. We're going to end up starting a seventh location and an eighth location and a ninth location and a tenth location to see more changed lives tonight tonight I'm going to share with you where the sixth location will be located I'm going to tell you when we're going to start the location and I'm going to talk to you about some of the staff that are going to go start this sixth people's church location I cannot wait for one night tonight I also told you last week and that we're looking to purchase property or a building near the area where we're starting our sixth location so once we start the sixth location in a in a temporary facility we, we're looking to go ahead and acquire land or a building now although once we start the sixth location it probably won't be two or three years until we actually renovate the building or build the new facility but how how many of you realize that God's not making any more land? Anybody know that right now? He know that. So, 
So we're going to try to scoop up some land as the Lord opens the door. And I mentioned to you last week as well, some exciting news that we are aggressively looking to buy land or a building for our Indianapolis campus. Our Indianapolis location meets in a middle school. It is four years old. I told you last week it runs about 550 to 600 people in the middle school. And we're looking for land aggressively. We're looking for a building. And statistics say when a new church or a temporary a church meeting in a temporary facility, setting up and tearing down, moves into a permanent facility that the church doubles in the first six months. That's statistics. And we've seen that happen here at People's Church. And we know our best days in Indianapolis are ahead of us. I I also told you that we're going to keep meeting needs through our local, national, and global missions. We're going to, as we move forward as a church, we're going to keep supporting those hundred children in Haiti and making a difference, giving them a Christian education and food. We're going to keep, we're going to keep planting churches all around America and the world. We're going to keep supporting missionaries all around the world. We're not backing up from being a missions-minded church. And I want to encourage all of you. Not in the service, but outside of this service, would you visit the website buildthedream.tv? Buildthedream.tv. Now, don't do it now. Wait till after church, but visit that website and you'll see all the projects there, all that we're doing to take ground, how much it all costs. It's all there on the website buildthedream.tv. I'm curious, how many of you, when you were growing up, in your home, your parents told you there were some items that you could not touch. Anybody grew up in a home like that where your, your parents told you, don't touch those dishes? Like, why do we got them? But don't, don't touch, you cannot use those dishes. Those are special dishes. Anybody grew up in a house that maybe they, they told you, you can't use the grill, don't touch the grill. Or, or, or maybe, like, when I grew up in a home, my mama told us we couldn't touch the furniture. Anybody have that? You know? like, but there were two brown couches we could not sit on. She said, now these other couches are y'all's. Them couches, don't sit on them. And my mama wasn't as saved as I am. Come on, my mama would throw a brush at you, you know. <laughs> Get on that couch. You're grounded for a year. It's just a couch. And, and, and to go to the promised land, God always tells his people there are some things they cannot touch. And I want you to see this in Joshua chapter 6 as, as God had this promised land for his people, this, this land flowing with milk and honey. God promised them this land. And right before God was taking them into the promised land, to the first city called Jericho for them to conquer, here's what God tells his people in Joshua chapter 6 and verse 16. It says, the seventh time around, when the priests sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout. For the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared because she hid the spies we sent. But keep away from the devoted things. And God always has devoted things. 
so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold and all the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. So now God told Israel not to take the devoted things in Jericho. And you might be thinking, What's the big deal, God? Why are you making such a big deal about this? Well, here's why. Because Jericho was the first city in the promised land that Israel conquered. It was the first city. And first things matter to God. Let me tell you something about God. If you did not know this about God, I want to cue you in, give you some clues about who your God is. God always wants to be first. He always wants to be trusted. He always wants to be obeyed. God always wants to be first. He always wants to be trusted and he always wants to be obeyed. And and let me give you some key insights about devoted things so that we can take the promised land. And the first insight is this to live in the promised land. You cannot take the devoted things. You cannot take the devoted things. Notice this in Joshua 7, verse 11. It says, Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen, they have lied, and they have put them with their own possessions. Verse 20 says this in Joshua 7. Achan replied, it is true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I, what I have done. When I saw the plunder, a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent with silver underneath. Achan saw the devoted things and the scripture says he coveted them. He desired them. Then he took them and put them with his own possessions and God always has devoted things because God always wants to be first he always wants to be trusted he always wants to be obeyed and you see this all throughout scripture even with the very first man and woman you go back to the very first book the book of beginnings when God created Adam and Eve you'll see that God had devoted things God told Adam and Eve don't eat from the tree in the middle of the garden you can eat from any other tree but the tree in the middle of the garden don't touch it don't eat from it it is devoted to God because God always has devoted things he wants to be first he wants to be trusted he wants to be obeyed and scripture says in in Genesis chapter 3 verse 3 but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is the middle in the middle of the garden this is Eve talking and you must not touch it or you will die God said, don't touch the devoted things. Verse six says this. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. God gave Adam and Eve a choice. He gave them free will and said, you can eat from any tree in the garden, but do not eat from the tree in the middle of the garden. God says, I'm going to give you a choice. You can choose to love me. You're not robots. You can choose to put me first. You can choose to trust me. You can choose to obey me. God said, don't you touch the tree in the middle of the garden. If you touch it, you're not going to stay in the promised land. You're not going to stay in the garden of Eden. You're not going to stay in the land of 
perfection. But like Achan, they took the devoted thing for themselves. And just like Achan, just like Adam and Eve, God has told us not to touch the devoted things. If we take the devoted things, we miss out on the promise and the blessings of the promised land. God, God, God this, this, don't take the devoted things because I want to be first. I want to be trusted and I want to be obeyed. And I want to show you one of the devoted things God tells you and me not to touch. We see this in Malachi chapter three and verse number eight and nine. It says, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you robbed me. I think it's interesting language, the same language he used with Achan. He says, but you ask, how are you robbing? How are we robbing you in tithes and offerings? You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. God says the same thing to Israel as he says to Achan. You're taking the devoted things. You are robbing me. You're taking the things that belong to me. I want to give you three things you must know about the tithe. The three things you must know about the tithe. Before I teach you today, just look at your neighbor and say, loosen up. You're already sweating. He's just getting started. Go ahead. He's talking, preacher mentioned money. Your underarm pit starts sweating. You, you okay? It's going to be all right. I want to help you today. I, I want something for you today. I want to help your life today. Three things you must know about the tithe. Number one is this. Tithing is giving 10% of our income to the local church where we worship. Notice this in Malachi 3 verse 10. It says bring the whole tithe. That would be the entire 10%. Into the storehouse. That would be the church where you worship. That there may be food in my house. That there may be food in the local church to provide ministry. He says test me in this says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. And pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. So, so a tithe, a lot of people don't, don't understand this. Uh, there are people that, 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 that don't go to church regularly. I ha- haven't been to church in a long time. And we see a lot of people come to Christ here at People's Church. And when we say the word tithe, it's simply 10% of our income. Number two is this. A, a second thing you must know about the tithe. The tithe belongs to the Lord. It says in Leviticus chapter 27 verse 30, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs, notice this, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. God, God says the tithe is mine. It's, it's devoted. It's a devoted thing. And people start taking the tithe because they think it's theirs. And God says, no, 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 no. The first 10% is not yours. It's, it's mine. It's, it belongs to me. If you take it, you're robbing from me. There's a third thing I want you to see about the tithe, and that is we give the tithe first. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 9 says, Honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best. Your barns will burst. Your wine vats will brim over. God says, listen, give it to me First, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, the context is about possessions in this scripture. The context is about money. And God says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Here's something you got to understand about God. God always wants to be first. He always wants to be trusted. He always wants to be obeyed all the way back to the very beginning of the word of God. God says, give it to me. First, and today I've got 10 $1 bills in my hand. This represents your paycheck. It represents my paycheck. And we, we get paid, and 
you know, this is how most people live. Even a lot of Christians, this is how a lot of Christians live. They, they get paid and, you know, obviously the government's getting theirs. There's IRS. There you go. Came on out. Praise the Lord. <laughs> then, you know, you got to pay your rent and pay your house payment. And that might be $2 right there. Come on, somebody. You know, get, give that on up. Gotta, somebody says, you know, I, whoo, yes, yes, I need food to eat. And I got a lot of kids. There's two more dollars. Thank you, Jesus. And got to have a car to drive and some gas. You know, I got to get my hair and my nails did. Come on, I got to look pretty. You know, I got to get some clothes. Cause I got to look fly. I got to look good. Got to get some clothes to wear. And Lord, you know, I work hard. I work hard. I'm going on vacation. Two of them, Lord. Two vacations. Well, Lord, I don't have nothing left, Jesus. But uh, I, I got a quarter, Jesus. There you go, Lord. You know I love you. You know, I love you, Lord. God says, no, 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 no. Seek first. Put me first. God says, no, what, you, what I want you to do. God says, when you get paid $10, a dollar belongs to me. It's devoted. It belongs. You give the first 10, the first dollar to the Lord. You know what God says? You give the first dollar to me. I'll bless the other nine. If you'll put me first, seek first the kingdom of God. All these other things you're seeking after will be added to you. But the first 10% belongs to God and we give it to God first because God always wants to be first. He always wants to be trusted. He always wants to be obeyed. And Malachi says something very interesting. It doesn't just say we rob God of the tithe, but it says we can rob God of all offerings notice this in Malachi 3 back in verse 8 will a mere mortal rob God yet you rob me but you ask how are we robbing you in tithes and it's interesting it says this and offerings and I talk to a lot of people that are confused about what is an offering all an offering is is when you give over and above the tithe so 10.1%, 11%, 12% that's giving offering so you cannot offer you cannot give an offering until you first tithe. And so understand this. God will speak to our hearts. He was speaking to the nation of Israel. He told Israel, I want you to give the, the first 10%. And then God spoke to them about different offerings, the grain offerings and different offerings. He wanted them to give to the Lord. And they were withholding the offerings. And God said, you're robbing me. And God, God speaks to you and I today. And matter of fact, he's speaking to Tiffany and I in this season about, about being generous and giving above our tithe. We, 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 we've always been tithers. And now we're praying about what do we give over and above our tithe to take more ground as a church, to start this sixth location, to acquire property or a building for our Indianapolis campus. God, what would you have us to give? And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm excited about this season personally for my wife and I, because it was years ago that God gave me one of the greatest revelations of, in my life in the word of God. It changed my life today. I want to share with you one of the greatest revelations God has ever shared with me from the word of God. Somebody sat down and taught this to me and it changed my life. I want to give you five life changing truths about giving offerings from 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6 through 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6 through 13. I'm telling you right now church, it's going to change some of your lives. I so want something for you. I so want to help your life out right now as your pastor five life-changing truths it's going to change your life number one is this you're not giving your money away you're sowing it into your future 
You got to understand this. You're not giving your money away. You're sowing it into your future. Listen to scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6. Remember this. You have to remember this. When you're ready to give an offering, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows, everybody shout the word sows. It's a key word. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Here's what some Christians think. They think when they give money, they're, they're, they're losing money when they give it to God. And I want you to understand something. You cannot outgive God. God will never owe you one thing. When you give to God, the Bible teaches you're sowing for a future harvest and God will bless you. God will bring a harvest. And there are Christians that do not believe this. They have a hard time believing this because this is one of the biblical principles that has been abused. It's been really abused. Maybe you watched a preacher or a television preacher and. And I like television preachers. Some of them come on somebody and, uh, you know, you and somebody says something like, you know, well, you sow a hundred dollars and God's going to give you ten thousand in a new car. Like, you don't say that. You sow your seed right now of nineteen dollars and ninety nine cents and God's going to give you ninety nine blessings. And we're going to send you some of this anointed oil, <laughs> holy water from Israel. It's going to heal every disease. Sow your money now. So it's been abused. And so we see stuff like that. And we cringe. We're like, ah, the preacher just wants my money. The church just wants my money. Let's just manipulate it. And you know what happens? Then Christians throw the baby out with the bathwater. And I'm trying to teach you God's word says this. It says if you sow, God will bring a harvest back into your life. That is Bible. Though the principle has been abused, you have to understand what God's word says. Number two is this. It'll change your life if you understand this. You decide the amount of your harvest by the amount of seed you sow. You decide the amount of your harvest by the amount of seed. You, uh, somebody's going to catch this today. It's going to change your life. Second Corinthians chapter nine and verse six says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So all the scripture is saying is if you sow little, you'll reap little. If you sow much, you will reap much. Now farmers understand this. There's not a farmer in the world that's going to sit up and argue. That's not true. No, the farmer understands that. The farmer understands if I sow corn seed on 10 acres of land, I cannot expect to reap a hundred acres of harvest. It won't work. He understands I sowed on 10 acres, so I'm going to reap on 10 acres. Whatever I sow, if I sow little, I'll reap. I'm going to reap more than I sow, but I'm going to reap little. If I sow much, I'm going to reap much. And Tiffany and I, this changed our life when we understood this. Sat down and an older pastor preacher was teaching me this. And was showing me the word of God. He was trying to break stinginess off my life and to help me be generous and I was listening. My wife and I have always been tithers. But in our early 20s, we didn't understand about giving. And I remember that preacher talked to us and challenged us to give our first offering over $1,000. And I'm telling you what, I about passed out. I was like, huh? <laughs> so okay. But we stepped out in faith and we did it in our early 20s. And can I tell you, God blessed us. Now, I didn't say God gave us a Cadillac. I didn't say that. That's not what I'm talking about. But I said, God blessed us. He met our needs. We had more than enough. 
And so we start saving and saving and saving. And, and we, we were already living way beneath our means, below our means. And we bought our first house for $95,000. And we were just living beneath our means. We started giving more and being generous and giving more. And God kept blessing us. And he kept blessing us. And he kept blessing us. Blessing us. And by the time we moved to Oklahoma City, I was 26. Tiffany was 24. When we started People's Church, we had thousands of dollars in the bank. We actually bought the equipment for the church. Ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars. We 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 bought that ourselves because God had just we had just saved and saved and God had blessed us and we we thought man we're giving our money we're getting ready to buy this equipment we understood this principle but we thought man we're giving a whole this is the most money we've ever given in our life and we didn't take a salary from the church for the first year the second year we were very 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 part time and yet we were giving and yet God continued to bless and we didn't miss any meals. Come on, those of you that knew me back in the day, I got up to 207 pounds. Come on, somebody. I wasn't missing a meal. I was eating good. God, God blessed. He blessed us. Even not taking us out, he blessed us. And then we got to the Because campaign, and, and we were praying as a church about a two- to three-year commitment to buy this first piece of property right here on Britain Road that you're sitting on and, and to build our very first building. And here we are in our late 20s, and, and God had been good with the first $1,000 we'd given. God had been good when we gave the, that $10,000, $20,000 to buy all the equipment. God, God had provided every need. Even when we weren't taking a salary, we still ate and made our house. God had provided. And so we stepped out in faith and made a commitment of over $30,000 in our in in our 20s and, and, and hadn't even taken a salary from the church. How's it going to happen? We didn't know. But can I tell you that once again, God showed up. We started giving as much as we can, as quick as we can. And God blessed and we met the need and we built this church and lives were changed. And Herbert and Tiffany Cooper kept eating food. Come on, somebody. And God kept meeting our needs. And so I'm excited this journey again to give to the Lord because God is faithful. He'll bring a harvest into your life when you give to his kingdom. Number three is this. I want you to see this. God meets your needs by sowing seeds. Notice this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. The Bible goes on to say when you sow a seed, God is able to bless abundantly and meet all our needs. God meets needs by sowing seeds. Let me say this to you, church. So critical you catch this. Everything that God blesses you with, when God brings a harvest into your life, it's, all of it's not for your consumption. All of it's not to spend on yourself. God gives you seed to sow into other people's lives to be a blessing to other people. God gives seed to the sower. Don't eat your seed. See, a farmer understands this. You don't eat seed. You sow seed for a future harvest. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse 10 goes on to say this. Now he who supplies seed, everybody shall seed. seed. Everything God blesses you with is not to be eaten. God's given some of what he's blessed you with is seed. God gives seed to the sower. In other words, God will get it to you if he can get it through you. But so many people eat their seed. They don't realize that all of their blessings is not meant to be consumed on themselves. Some of what God's blessed you with is seed to be given to be a blessing to other people. It goes on to say, and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So some of the blessings that God has given you is not 
to be eaten is to be sown into the lives of other people. It's to be sown into the kingdom of God for a future harvest. I want you to see a fourth thing here. This changed my life when I understood God's word. Number four, giving is a cheerful decision. Notice this, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Each one of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Giving is not just a feeling or an emotion. It's a decision. It should not be under pressure. It should not be because somebody twisted your arm. It's about praying and hearing from God. And as your pastor, that's what I want you to do. I just simply want you to pray. And say, God, what would you have me to give over and above my tithe to advance your kingdom and to see more changed lives? And there are people that are giving up coffee. There are some that are giving up vacations. There are some that are giving up entertainment. There are others giving up going out to eat. There are others giving up some of their savings or investments. And some people are giving, giving so much, they're not even sure how they're going to give all of that amount. But they're stepping out in faith because they've heard the voice of God and they know the faithfulness of God. And we give cheerfully unto the Lord knowing, number five is this, knowing this. Here's the most important thing. Here's the most important thing, number five. God meets the needs of others when you sow seed. He meets the needs of others when you sow seed. Notice this back in the text, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 12. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And one of the things that I love about People's Church is you're a generous church that you give and you love to meet needs. I thank God that Day of Hope, our back to school event, you give so generously and we provide thousands of backpacks, school supplies, and meet the needs in our community. I thank God that when there's a disaster around the world, that our church responds because you give so generously. We're able to give and help needs all around our world through disaster relief. I thank God even at Christmas time when we get ready for the big give coming up in a month or so that man you respond so generously and you provide Christmas presents to, to, to children who would not otherwise have a Christmas and you're a blessing to people and this year again this church is going to give another car away can somebody say thank you Jesus and we're going to bless somebody with a car because you are a generous church you love to meet the needs of others and let me tell you my deepest desire my deepest motivation for giving to the Lord is to see more changed lives. It's because more people need Jesus. It's because more people need hope. More people need healing. More people need rescued. There are so many broken, addicted, lonely people that need the hope of Jesus Christ. And when we give, God changes lives. We're taking ground as a church. I said, we're taking ground as a church. I said, we're taking ground as a church in Jesus name. I want you to see a second thing, a second thing. I want you to see the result of taking the devoted things, the result of taking the devoted things. It says, in the text, I'm going to read this to you, that you neg negatively impact your life and the lives of others when you take the devoted things. Notice this in Joshua 6, verse 18. But keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. 
Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. And, and Achan didn't follow the Lord. He took the devoted things. And the scripture says it cost him his life. It impacted his family and it cost them their life. And 36 Israelites died in battle against a small nation called Ai. They should have easily won the battle. But they lost an easy battle because they took the devoted things. And when you and I take the devoted things, we start losing battles we should be winning. It impacts our life. It impacts the lives of others. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 16 that because Adam and, Adam and Eve took the devoted things, that ladies, you want to know why you have pain in childbearing? Talk to Adam and Eve. They did it. You, know, you want to know why work can be painful and there's toil to make a living? Because Adam and Eve took the devoted thing. Death entered the world because Adam and Eve took the devoted thing. They were, they were banished from the promised land, from the Garden of Eden because they took the devoted thing. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 23 says, the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden and sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. They were banished from the promised land because they took the devoted thing. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 9 says, you are under or curse your whole nation because you are robbing me. And Israel was under a curse because they were taking the tithe. And when you and I take the tithe, we actually hinder and hurt our own life. We actually block the blessings of God. So what's our response? What's our response as a church? Number three is this, surrendering the devoted things to God. Surrender them. Why? Because it brings blessing into our lives. Surrendering the devoted things to God brings blessings in our lives, blessings of provision, blessings of the promised land, blessings of seeing more changed lives, blessings of helping hurting and addicted and broken people, blessings of favor and success. When Israel got the devoted things out of Achan's tent and they took the devoted things and they surrendered them to the Lord, the Bible says they went back out and they fought AI and they now defeated the nation that they just lost to when they surrendered the devoted things thing to God and Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10 says this bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house test me in this says the Lord Almighty and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough to store it because you have surrendered the devoted thing to me and notice this God says I'm going to give you divine protection. Verse 11, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your field will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. When we surrender the devoted things to God, he pours out blessings in our lives. And there's a family in our church that surrendered the devoted things to the Lord. And I want you to hear their story and their journey of surrendering to God. Check out this video. So one Sunday last year, pastor was preaching on giving and I'll never forget he, he looked, you know, like straight at me it felt like and in the way he does where he smiles and he was like, if you're not paying your tithes, you're greedy. And I remember when he said it thinking I know I have a long ways to go. I, I know there's shortcomings. I'm not paying my tithes right now, but I'm not greedy. 
So after that sermon, the next day, God just dropped Malachi 3 in my heart. Will a man rob God? And I was like, I mean, I don't really feel like I'm robbing you because I do give. But it was like, how have you robbed me? Well, you're robbing me by not giving in the tithes and offerings. And I was just like, wow, even though I'm generous, I'm disobedient. We decided that we were going to make giving a priority. We started the year with the prayer and fasting at the church every day for two weeks. And we were just on a high. We were going to commit to tithing. We were going to put God first and nothing was going to stop us. And then on January 20th, the government shut down. Of course, Adrian has been a federal employee for many, many years. Adrian didn't have any income coming in and we watched our savings deplete. Week after week, we did start to see like a little bit of reality setting in of we're not in a prayer room anymore with all these prayer warriors and on this spiritual high. This is real life. We're down to one income and is God still God? We were scared. We didn't know how long it was going to go on. We didn't know if he would get all that money back or not. God said to test him and you would pour out on us blessings that we like can't even contain. So we did our part. You know, we're giving, we're praying, we're fasting, we're doing all those things. And now you're not opening the floodgates. It looks like you shut them, but we steadfast. We were like, we are still going to pay our tithes first, no matter what. Starting in about March, the, the first thing happened, I got a letter in the mail. You overpaid your mortgage this year, so here's your money back. And we've reduced your house payment by $200 a month moving forward. Literally every month, we got checks in the mail, overpayments from orthodontist. All of the money that Adrian had had withheld from the shutdown was given to us in one lump sum. I took another step of faith. I gave, logged in on my computer and I would give there. And I decided to go ahead and make mine recurring. Because up until that time, I was still like maintaining some control over it. For me, it was just another step of total submission of it's first, it's right off the top. What Adrian and I have discovered on this journey is that even when you are committed to it and dedicated to it and you want to do it and you see all the benefit from it, that doesn't mean it's easy. I don't want to cry. Because I don't want to make it seem like it's all been roses. Because it hasn't. You know, there's been times where we had to make choices. So God has been dealing with us not just to give tithes, but to be good stewards of what He's blessed us with. We could feel God moving in our life and calling us to a deeper walk with Him. And it all goes back to really hinging on being obedient to His Word in something what you might think is as small as your finances can be huge and change your whole entire life. Can't outgive God. God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. I want to talk to some of you today that are not tithers. And I just want to encourage you today. The Bible says to test me. It's the only place in the Bible where I could find God saying, test me. And we've made it easy for you to do that here at People's Church. In the back of a seat back pocket is a three-month tithe challenge card. All this simply is, is we just really know that God will bless you if you'll give the first 10% to God over the next 90 days. Here's what I know. God's going to take care of you. He's going to bless you. 
But for you to have the step of faith, we made it a money back guarantee that if you'll fill this card out today, you can rip it off and drop, keep a portion, turn in the portion there, the written portion down to us in one of the offering boxes on the wall that we could have a written record of you making that commitment to the Lord and start tithing. And if God doesn't bless you in the next 90 days, just call the office and we'll refund your money back. But I'm telling you, if you'll give God the first 10%, he will bless your life. Can I encourage you? Start today. The devil will try to talk you out of it. Oh, well, you know, I'm going to start next week, next month, next year. No, just take a step of faith and start tithing the first 10% to God today. And all of us that are tithers, like my wife and I, you're joining my wife and I, the Vision 2019-2020 commitment card is in the back of the seat back pockets. Would you take that card and would you pray over the next couple of weeks about what God would have you to give to see the vision come to pass? Pray over this card. There's a place on the box to check. I'm committed to tithe, but there's a box that says, I'm committed to give over and above the tithe the next 12 months to dream builders, to help this new location, to help acquire land. What is God speaking to you? And then on the back of the card, there's just three next steps, three steps. I want you to pray. If people search as your own, but people, if you're a guest today, you feel no obligation. We're just glad that you're here. We're glad that you're here. But if this is your church home, would you do these three next steps? Would you pray? Say, God, what would you have me to give? Speak to me. Lead me. Look at your budget. Look at everything. Ask God, God, speak to me about a faith goal, what you'd have me to give the next year. And then on November the 17th, would you fill out a commitment card? You can do it online. You can do it on the People's Church website. If you go to the website and click on give, there's a place there for you to fill out the card as well and give online or on the People's Church app. And then on December the 8th, we're giving a miracle offering. My wife and I have learned to start giving as much as you can, as quick as you can. And God brings harvest. And he'll do more through you than you ever think he could ever do. Just start giving as much as you can, as quick as you can. And let's see more changed lives together. Let's take ground in Jesus' name.